hold it up real high. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand up. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it with some energy. This is God's word. Not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have the fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is life-giving. Your word gives us direction. It causes us to be aware of all the promises of God that are in Christ Jesus. As we take the time to learn from your word, I pray that the Holy Spirit will take the Logos word that is spoken and turn it into rhema word of understanding. And I think that everyone here will profit from what they hear. As I decrease, I thank you for the anointing of God to rise up to feed every person in this place spiritually. And I thank you that they will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our current series is called Living in the Overflow. Say that with me. Say, Living in the Overflow. We've been discovering and discussing the power and promises of the first fruit giving principle. Now, in order to reap from any principle, we must put works behind our faith and possess an unwavering understanding of our part and God's part. Today, we're going to discover the power of giving over and above. Say over and above. above. We're going to learn or discover the power of giving over and above. We're going to see what happens when we do that and then why we should be over and above givers. So I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29. And when you get there, I want you to take your ribbon and put it there because we're going to keep coming back to that particular uh, chapter of the Bible today. 1 Chronicles 29. We're going to start off in verse 1. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Giving should always be done with purpose, fueled with passion, motivated by purity, and always taken personal. I'm going to say that again. Giving. Everybody say giving. Giving. Say it again. Touch your neighbor and say neighbor. He's talking about giving. Giving should always be done with purpose, fueled with passion, motivated by purity, and always taken personal. Now, I believe that this is probably one of the best messages I'll ever teach. I'm praying I have enough time to finish it. Amen? Amen. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, are you there? All right. Let's look in verses 1. 1 Chronicles 29 verse 1. Let's see now, because we're going to talk about the four P's that I listed. We li- I listed purpose. I listed passion. I listed purity. And I listed personal. Well, let's see here. And here's the first point that I want you to see in verse 1. It says, furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is still yet young and tender. And the work is what? 
The work is what? Amen. That's why we're having our giving day because when we break ground on our new facility off of 360, the work is great. I have already named that project, Project 360. Amen. So when you talk to your neighbor, say, neighbor, pray for Project 360. And if they say, well, what is that? Then you get to tell them about the church. Amen. Look at what he says. He says, the work is great for the, watch this now, for the palace is not for man, but for who? The Lord God. In other words, David was saying that the purpose of me getting ready to give, because he says in verse 2, what he's doing, he's saying that his purpose was not for man's glory, but for who? God. And that's the purpose in which we should give. So I want you to write this down. Purpose should always be the foundation of giving, even if the purpose is just to obey and please God. I'm going to say that again. Purpose should always, say always. Purpose should always be the foundation of giving, even if the purpose is just to obey God. Now, go to First Chronicles. Let's go to chapter 28. Chapter 28. Let's see this purpose uh, lived out in these people's lives. First Chronicles 28. I'm going to start in verse 11. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and the houses thereof and the treasures thereof and of the upper chambers thereof and of the inner pillars thereof and the place of the mercy seat. It's talking about the description of the, the house of God that they were building. Watch verse 12. And the pattern of all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord and of all the chambers round about of the treasuries. Watch this now. Verse 13. Well, let's, it says... Let me read verse 12 all the way. Of the treasuries of the house of what? The house of God and the treasuries of the dedicated things. In other words, they were doing this for the house of God. And then verse 13 just puts the cap on the whole thing. Watch this. He says, also for the courses of the priests and the Levites and for all, say all. And for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord and for all the vessels of service in the house of the Lord, he gave of what? Gold. Come on, say it. Say it. What did he give? He gave gold. He gave some money by weight of things of gold. And then if you jump down to verse 20, jump down to verse 20. And David said unto Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with you. He will not fail you, nor forsake you, until you have finished, say finished. Until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of God. In other words, they were getting prepared to give so that the house of the Lord could be built. And so watch this now. The first P that I said that you must have when it comes to giving was what? His purpose. And so our purpose on March 28th is to build the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 And I believe if we follow the pattern of the Bible, notice they didn't talk about no chicken sales in there. Did you notice that? (laughs) Amen. I heard about gold and there are some other things that we heard of. So I want you to write down this take-home statement. Write down this take-home statement. Purpose undefined produces room for doubt unbelief and non-concern i'm gonna say that again purpose say purpose purpose undefined produces room for doubt unbelief and non-concern what do you say well pastor what are you talking about in other words if it ain't got nothing to do with you you don't care i mean you know you see somebody on the side of the highway and uh they may have had a flat tire you ain't worried about them it ain't your tire 
It ain't your money. It ain't your car. Now, you might be spiritual and stretch a hand toward him and say, Lord, help him in Jesus' name. But in other words, when there is no purpose in something, it produces non-concern. Say non-concern. And everything God does and everything God gave had purpose behind it. You can write down John 3.16 because it says that God gave Jesus for us to have eternal life. That was purpose in God giving Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, go to, go to 2 Corinthians 9. Now put your ribbon here. Put your ribbon here. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. This is our theme verse. That's the only reason I'm having you to turn there. I could have just quoted it, but I want you to see uh, purpose in giving because we're talking about giving. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6, it says this, that giving should produce favor and all sufficiency in all things so that we can continue to give. Let me show you what I mean. 2 Corinthians 9, are you there? Verse 6 says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him do what? Give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a what? God loves a cheerful giver. Now, why should we give? What is the purpose of giving? He says it in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward what? You, we've learned that word grace means favor. God is able to make all favor abound towards you so that you always say always. You should always have all sufficiency in all things. Why? So that you can continue to abound in every good work. So watch this now. When God blesses you after you give and you stop the cycle of giving so that, watch this now, the, the, the work that God wants done, it stops, then it's going to stop coming back to you. See, what most people do, they stop the cycle of giving because they consume it all on themselves. Amen. Even a farmer has enough sense to set some seed aside so that he can plant some more after he got his harvest. Amen. Job, uh, Job 36, 11, you can write that down. It says that obedience will produce a higher quality of life. In other words, everything God does have purpose. So even obedience, when we obey God, it will eventually produce a higher quality of life for us. Are you there? Say amen. Now, David gave with some purpose. Let's go back to now 1 Chronicles 29. When David gave, and I'm going to show you what David gave. David gave with some purpose. In verse 2 of chapter 29, he says, now I have prepared. I have what? I have prepared with what? All of my might. Man, this guy, he had it going. Let's see what he did. He said, I prepared with all of my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold. And silver for things to be made of silver. And brass of things of brass. And the iron of things of iron. Wood for things that are wood. Stones for things to be set in stone. Glistening stones. Diverse colors. In other words, David said, whatever the need is for the house, I'm going to bring what I got. Now, what's interesting about this? Watch this now. Anytime something is done for God, watch this now, will always result in receiving something from God. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to have to wake y'all up this morning. Anything, watch this now. Anytime something is done for God. Everybody say for God. Anytime something is done for God will always result in receiving something from God. And I can prove it to you. Remember when Jesus asked Peter to use his boat. He said, Peter, can I use your boat? I need to preach to the people. 
Well, the Bible says that he got Peter's boat. He pushed it a little way from the land because, you know, in those days they didn't have microphones. But see, water was a repeller of sound. And that's why they did that. It it echoed off his voice. And that's why he was able to preach to all those people because it bounced off the water and it hit the people. So it was like a natural microphone. Y'all didn't know that, did you? Praise the Lord. That's true. You can just look it up. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, what happened after he used Peter's boat? He told Peter, he said, go now, go fishing. And if you'll just go, you know, go out a little ways and cast your net, he says, you're going to catch a drought. And even though Peter had worked all night, he said, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to go and do it. And the Bible says he caught a boatload of fish. Why did he do that? Because anytime you do something for God, it will always result in receiving something from God. Amen. Just think about the kid. Remember the little kid that had the little five loaves of fishes and two breads or two breads and five fishes? I don't know which one it was right now, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, think about it. This kid was on his way from the store. I can see his mom sending him to the store. And here he is. These are the groceries that he bought with her money. And on his way home, he sees this crowd. And then Jesus, you know, the disciples saying they hungry. And Jesus said, well, what do we have? And he said, and they just grabbed a little guy. <laughs> well, he, we got five loaves. We have five loaves and two fishes. No, you don't. He does. But the little boy gave Jesus what he had. And the Bible says he got back 12 loaves full of fragments. He got back more. I bet when he got home, his mama said, how'd you get all this bread? How'd you get all this fish? So I want you to say this with me. Say, anytime something is done for God will always result in receiving something from God. Now, let's look back in verse 2 because I want to dissect it now. He says, now I have prepared. What did he do? He prepared. That word prepared means to make preparation. It means to make provision. It means to make ready. He says, I have made provision. I have made ready with all of my might. In other words, when you think of somebody who has made something ready, that means some planning had to go into that. David didn't just show up with something in his pocket. He had thought about it. He planned it. And I'm going to show you uh, uh, when we break down what the verse actually means and some other verses. You're going to see that when you give to the house of God, it needs to be some planning. Amen. You know, we want God to plan with us, don't we? Amen. I want my future good. Well, the word prepared means to make preparations, provision, and to make ready. Watch what he said too. He says, I have prepared with all of my what? All of my might. The word might in the Hebrew means ability, force, wealth, power, strength, and substance. So what he was saying is, I have prepared with all of my might. I have prepared with all of my heart. He says, uh, the word might there, I have, that means ability. He says, and it means wealth. It means strength. It means substance. It means, he says, I prepared and I looked among all of my substance. I looked among all of my provision. I looked among all of my wealth and what I had. And then after that, look at the continue of the verse. He says, after I've done that with my, for the house of my God, the gold and the things of gold. So he didn't just arbitrarily just take something out of his pocket. He gave something that meant something to him. And I'll show you that later if I have the time. So when we give, it should always be with what class? 
Come on, everybody say purpose. Amen. Let's look at number two. Giving should always be done with passion. Say passion. Now look in verse three. He says, moreover, this is David still talking. Because I have set my affection to the what? Come on, class. To the what? To the house of my God, I have of my own proper good. He said, in other words, as I have set my affection, the word affection there means delight, enjoyment, and to take pleasure in. So he's saying, moreover, because I have taken pleasure into the house of my God. Notice he said, my God. You know, people... and. and you know what? I'm not going to say that yet. I'll, I'll say that in just a second. Let me just say, let me just say this. Passion for something will always increase when, uh, when an investment has been made. I'm, I'm going to say that again because I'm about to dive into uh, the core of what I want to talk about. Passion. Everybody say passion. Passion for something because he could have said... Moreover, because I have set my passion to the house of my God. I have of of my own proper good of gold and silver. And then if you look in verse 4, he says, even 3,000 talents of what? 3,000 talents of gold. David wasn't a cheap man when it was time for him to give to the house of the Lord. And anytime you take pleasure in something, it should involve, everybody say passion. Passion and passion is not what you have to do, but passion is what you desire to do. Amen. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Go to Matthew 6. See, the reason why some people uh, don't feel a part of a church, they ain't investing in it. I mean, think about it. Anything that you invest in, you protect and you value. Amen. When you invest into your children, you value your children, right? Listen, when you invest every month in that car payment, you don't want nobody hitting that car. In other words, if there is an investment there, there's going to be some passion there. And some people don't feel a part of a church because they're not invested in the church. And if you really want to feel like this is your church, because I tell people all the time. See, notice David says several times to the house of my God. I'll talk to people and what they'll say is, Pastor, I'm so good. I'm so glad that I'm at your church. This ain't my church. This is, come on, say it again. This is our church, but it ain't ours until you make an investment. And do you know it's easy to treat something bad when you ain't made no investment in it? Amen. Matthew chapter 6, are you there? Let me show you that passion for something will always increase when an investment has been made. Uh, Verse 19, are you there? Jesus is talking. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and dust, rust, dust corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Watch this now. This is the key of the verse. For where your treasure is, What's going to, what else does it say? There is what? Where your heart's going to be. So I can tell where a person's heart is by where they're putting their treasure. And it is almost impossible, say impossible. It is almost impossible to say you love God if there's no investment toward God. Ooh-wee. 
feel the sun in here. <laughs> Amen. Go back to Second Chronicles very quick. I mean, First Chronicles. Go back real quick. I told you to keep your ribbon there. Go back real quick. David was passionate about what he gave to God. It was not just something he did because he had to. It was planned. I'm going to read this verse out of the message translation. First Chronicles 29. I'm going to read verses 3 through 5 in the message Bible translation. This is what it says. Furthermore, because my heart is in this. My heart is in this. See, when your heart is in it. You know, back in the day they had, if your heart, that is. Why didn't you tell me so? In other words, I wouldn't have spent my time and my money on you, Joker, if I knew your heart wasn't in that thing. <laughs> Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Watch what he says. Furthermore, because my heart is in this, in addition to and beyond what I have gathered, I'm turning over my personal fortune of gold and silver for making this place of worship for my God. 43,000 talents, about 113 tons of gold from all over the best. Watch everybody say the best. And 7,000 talents, which comes up to be 214 tons of silver for covering the walls of the building. And five for, well, this is verse five. And for the gold and silver worked by craftsmen. Watch verse five. And now, how about you? Among who you is ready and willing to join in the giving. Let's look now what the King James says in 1 Chronicles 29. I'm going to start in verse 3 just like I did in that verse. Okay? 1 Chronicles 29, 3. He says, Moreover, I have set my affection to the house of my God of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God. Say, my God. My God. Over and above. Everybody say, over and above. David is saying, not my tithes and not my offering. This is over and above what I normally do. And I'm doing it because I have purpose and passion for God's house. He says, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. And then watch verse 4. Even 3,000 talents of gold and offering, 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house. Man, you're talking about a sanctuary. Man, they sanctuary made out of gold and silver. Watch verse 5. He said, the gold for things of gold, the silver for things of silver, and all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artifactors. Watch this. Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? He said, who else is going to give like me? Touch your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Are you in it? Who else is going to do it? Listen, if we don't get it done, it ain't going to get done. You know why? Because God don't have hands. He's a spirit. The only way he's going to be able to use somebody is to use us. And I can tell you now prophetically, when we move on 360, our church is probably going to quadruple. We already think we can't handle what we got. Listen, listen, more is on the way. There are some folks that don't know Jesus who needs to know Jesus. Amen. All right. And you know what I like? Giving is contagious. I heard a story about a man who decided he was going through a Starbucks drive through He was probably like me and got through out of one of the Starbucks so he couldn't go in. That's the inside joke. The visitors won't understand that. But he was going through a drive through and uh, the record shows that he paid for the person's coffee behind him. And the person behind him was so 
you know, just shocked that he did it, they paid for the person's coffee behind them. It went on for almost 20 people. Because giving is content. And that's why I tell y'all what I'm doing. Amen. Listen, 10 grand is a stretch for me. Amen. But see, I know that giving to God always results in getting from God. Amen. Now, uh, go to 2 Corinthians. Let me see where I want you to go. Uh, let's, let's move on to purity. I'm going to skip some scriptures I had. Let's go now to verse 9. Go to, go to uh, 1 Chronicles 29. Let's look in verse 9 now. Are you there? Here's the point I want to make right here. When we give, it should always be done with sincerity and purity because the condition of the soil will always determine the quality of the harvest. I'm going to say that again. When we give, it should always be done with sincerity and purity because the condition of the soil, which is our heart, will always determine the quality of the harvest. Now watch this. Look now, and what, what verse did I tell you to go? Look in verse 9. Then the people rejoiced. Because if you look in verse 6, look in verse 6. After David gave, and he said, now who else is going to consecrate themselves? Verse 6 says, then the chiefs of the fathers and the princes of the tribes of Israel and all the captains of the thousands of the hundreds and the rulers of all the kings, were they offered how? Willingly, nobody had to beg them for it or pull their teeth, praise the Lord. And verse 7 says, and they gave for the service of the house of God. And then it says how much they gave. So don't feel bad when I tell you what I gave because it's public giving here. Amen. Everybody saw who what was giving everybody. Oh, well, he gave 5,000 talents. I'm going to give 5,000 talents then. Praise the Lord. Watch this. Watch this. Uh. It says in verse 9, then the people rejoiced for they offered willingly because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord and the king and David the king also rejoiced. How did these people give? They gave it willingly. And why should we give willingly? Because the Bible says in Luke 6, whenever you give of anything, it's going to be returned back to you in a good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, and men's going to give back to your bosom. So I want people to just be able to just give to me. I was in a, a Waffle House this week. You know, y'all, y'all know Waffle House is one of my stops, right? And so uh, I saw this guy. I got out of the car, and I saw this guy. I always order mine to go. And this guy, it was three of them at the table. And I noticed he said his grace before he ate. He made it very obvious that he was saying his grace. I said, I like that. So I got to the counter. I told the lady, I said, who, 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 who is serving that table right there? She told me. I said, I'm paying for their table. She went over there and said, do you know those guys, that guy right there? And they're looking at me like, no. And I'm trying to tell her, I didn't even want you to do that. But I went to my car and I got a word of truth card. You know, you know the card that I gave everybody to, to fill out, I mean, to, to invite people? And I said, I'm going to invite these guys to church. First, I'm going to see if they have a church. If they have a church, I ain't going to try to steal them from their church. And so the first thing I did, I went to their table. He thanked me. He said, thank you. Pa-. Uh, he didn't know I was pastor. He said, thank you. But when they saw the thing, they said, man, we see you on the billboard. I said, uh, what church do you go to? He said, we don't go to church. I don't go to church. I haven't been able to go to church since I came from California. I haven't found one that I like. 
I said, well, you done found one now, buddy. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I wanted to say that. I gave him the card, and I invited him out. Amen? Amen. Because when you see God has changed your life, you want to share him with other people. Right. Amen? Amen. Now, look, go to 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to close with this. 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians. And uh, because we're talking about giving with purity. God not only looks at the gift, but he also looks at the heart condition of the giver. I'm going to say that again because, see, I think this is what stops most people from getting their harvest. This is what I believe. Right, this one right here. I think this is one of the main reasons that, that and I'm going to show you the quality of your heart determines the fold that's returned back to you. See, you can put a perfectly good seed in bad ground or okay ground and the condition of that ground is going to determine the level of that harvest even though the seed was perfect. Watch this now. First, 2 Corinthians 9, are you there? Watch verse 7. He says, every man as he purposed where? In his heart. So where do you give from? You give from your heart. That's why you have to protect your heart. You can't let your mother-in-law get on your nerve. You can't let your ex, you know, uh, get you into strife and, and all that. You can't let them do it because it's, it's, it's going to uh, uh, hold back something from what you put in the ground. It's, I'm not going to let no fool cancel my harvest. Some of y'all who are dealing with exes, they fools. Let them be a fool by themselves. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you have an ex? And is they a fool? I know that ain't good English, but I said it anyway. Watch this. Verse. Verse. Where did I tell you to go? Verse 7. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him do what? Give, not how, grudgingly, or out of what? Necessity, for God loves a what? Now, see, notice he's talking about now how you need to be given. The word grudgingly was interesting when I looked it up. It's actually two Greek words. Normally, when you look up a word, it's only one Greek word connected to the word. But this time, to describe grudgingly, he had to put in two different Greek words. Now, the first Greek word was interesting because it's actually spelled E-K, but it's pronounced X. You know, like your ex-boyfriend, your ex-husband. He's saying, don't give like you would to them no more. You know, because if you got an ex and you're paying child support and she ain't acting right, you don't, how does that feel? You don't want to give to that ex. He's saying, don't give like that. That's grudgingly. But then the second Greek word is the word lute. And it means sorrow, pain, or grief. So what he was saying, he says, when you give, don't give out of sorrow. Or now, now, I forgot to tell you, that word X means from, from. So what he was saying was, when you give, don't give from sorrow. Don't give uh, from pain. Don't give out of grief. And it's hard to do that when you really understand what God's done for you. Amen. Now, Write down John 16, 6. John, I'm going to just write it down. John 16, 6 because uh, uh, verse 6 is going to show the word uh, sorrow. And that word sorrow in the Greek is the same word grudgingly. Also write down Romans chapter 9, verse 2 because you're going to see the word heaviness. And the word heaviness in the Greek is the same Greek word as grudgingly. 
And then write down Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It has the word grievous in it. And it's also the Greek word grudgingly. So what he was saying here is, is when you give, don't give from sorrow, from heaviness, from grief or pain. Don't give that way. And let me, let me show you how to keep from giving that way. I don't care how much the amount is. Whenever God tells you to do something, never be sorrowful because if you keep your heart right, God is going to make sure it always comes back in a multiplied state. Somebody say amen to that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Our hearts, watch this now. This is going to be deep right here. Our hearts always determine our harvest. Let let me rephrase that. The condition of our hearts determine the quality of our harvest. Go to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to prove this and then I'm going to stop. I'm going to prove this and then I'm going to stop. Even though I didn't finish. Touch your neighbor and say he didn't finish. I I, I was going to try to finish. and I just said, oh, Lord. That's why they have other services. I'll finish next week. Praise the Lord. Is that okay? Mark chapter 4. Are you there? I'm not there. Hold on for a minute. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to prove to you that your heart determines your harvest. Mark chapter 4. Write down now verses 14. That's where I'm going to start. It says, now the sower sows what? Sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they had heard, watch this now, Satan comes when? Immediately, that's why, listen, restrain from fighting after church. Restrain from arguing because all the devil's trying to do is just get that word that you just got out of your heart. Because a word cannot produce or reproduce a harvest in your life until it stays in your heart long enough. Watch this now. Where did I stop at? Uh, okay, verse 15. Uh, verse, verse, uh, it says, Satan comes immediately, takes the word. That was sown where? Okay, so now, watch this now. The context is the word and where the word is going. Y'all with me so far? Now watch verse 16. And these are they, likewise, that are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately they received it. But they have no root in themselves, and so they endure for a time. Afterwards, when, watch this, affliction or persecution comes for the word's sake. See, when you got something going on in your life, it ain't even about you. The devil just trying to take the word out of you. Because he knows once the word is planted down in your heart, listen, a harvest is going to come whether he likes it or not. So his job is to try to dig it up through affliction and persecution. Let them talk about you. Amen. Let them talk about you and then show them your deposit slip. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I threw that in for free. It says immediately they are offended. Let me ask you a question. Where does offense take place? There it is right there. Okay. Now, watch what happens now. Look now, look now in verse 18. And these are they that sown among thorns, such when they heard the word, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things enter where? In, into where, in where? Into your heart. And then what does it do? It chokes the word. And then it becomes unfruitful. But then verse 20 is where I want you to focus. But these are they which are sown on what? Now what is the word? Wait, 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 wait. If we're talking about the word and the word being sown somewhere, where is the word being sown? In the heart. So now he's talking about, he's got to be talking about the ground. That good ground must be your what? 
must be your heart. I'm going to show you the condition of your heart is going to determine the, the quality of your harvest because he goes on to say they hear the word and they receive it and they bring forth fruit. Watch this now. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Your heart determines how much fold you get. You know, it was an old school song that says, It takes a fool to love. Oh, oh y'all got it. Don't backslide on me. Don't backslide on me. Don't backslide on me. Stay in love. Because I heard he playing a song, man. <laughs> Listen, all the devil wants to do after you plant your seed is to get you upset. Ain't nobody worth it. So as you prepare, is the video ready? You don't know yet? Is it ready? We don't know? Okay, let's show the video real quick and then I'm going to do my altar call. Let's roll.